Don't get shot in the basement of a comic book store. Or sexually harassed in the basement of a comic book store. Or playing Magic the Gathering. Don't play Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that, that's true. That is crack. It is card crack. Get out. Get out. for the Mundangerous Exhausted Veil in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 117 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're sharing pumpkin spice flavored liqueur and other gaming horror stories. But first, the rogue traders regress to the mean in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, the headless horseman finds a use for all those heads in the character creation forge. So... Last week, as we're recording this, an interesting article came out about D&D from a mainstream media source that took a break from flubbing predictions for the election to talk about gaming for some reason. Look, 538 did its best and made me feel calm enough to go on vacation last November and then ruined the last quarter of my vacation once results came in. So they published an article called, Is Your D&D Character Rare?, and they took data from D&D Beyond, which is the free-ish tool available that's licensed by Wizards of the Coast, um, which is your online character creator. Yeah, they took all the data available from free characters that could be created uh, between August and September of 2017. And then basically spit out a bunch of data about the classes and the races that people are choosing to play. Um, turns out lots of human fighters. Yeah. Well, you say choosing to play. Yeah. So let's say choosing to build in D&D Beyond. I would even put choosing in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't have to be actually playing the character. You just have to choose the race and class at any point. Uh, so if it's multi-class, it, a character would count multiple times. So like say a paladin fighter would count as both a paladin and fighter. And then it's also limited by what's available in D&D Beyond for free, which is just the OGL content for 5th edition. Which explains probably one of the bits of data that I think confused the most people who were sort of taking a cursory glance at this, which was that Sorcerer was the least popular of all the classes. Well, second least. Druid was least popular. Oh, right. Sorry, but, Druid. But no one is <laughs> surprised that Druid it. sucks. <laughs> but the only free content available for Sorcerer right now is Wild Magic, which is demonstrably the worst of the two subclasses available in the php uh, true but also i think that's reading too much into it like uh, sorcerer monk and bard were all very close in terms of how many like actual uh characters were created so it wouldn't surprise me you know if you had said that sorcerer was the fourth most popular spellcaster behind wizard <laughs> cleric and warlock like i wouldn't have been surprised the fourth most popular spellcaster among men ages 18 to 22 <laughs> in Delaware. Yeah, I, I you know, it's just like the the data seems like kind of unsurprising to me with the sole exception of barbarian being well, frankly, not even surprised it's high. I'm surprised that so many people went through the trouble of choosing Goliath for their barbarian. Well, you did make the point that uh, Barbarian is also the first one alphabetically, so we could just be seeing a bump there, which is why, which might be why it breaks into the top four, because the most popular classes were the ones you would expect, fighter, rogue, wizard, 
cleric. And then barbarian is just sort of inserted in there. Yeah, it's like fourth out of five. It, it leaps the cleric. But you can tell that people who are using this are using it either either because they you know they really enjoy the service and they're really into building characters i suppose but it seems more likely that gms are using it to build npcs in which case that i always make my npcs humans because you don't want to have to worry about the other fiddly bits and it's easy to slap racial abilities onto a human oh yeah let's talk about about races um <laughs> humans are like a hundred and fifty percent more common than the next best race which is elf i mean humans are really good but then so are half-elves, and they trail far behind elves, which trail far behind humans. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of that is because, one, people are just trying out the system, you know? So when I am first looking at what's available, I want to see what the human is, and I want to see what the elf is. I also want to see what the dwarf is, but of course that was fourth after half-elf, which makes sense. But it did strike me that the vast majority of the class race combos were the ones that make the most sense mechanically or thematically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way D&D works, it's, it's usually both, right? It's pretty rare that you actually get a thematic combo that works really well that doesn't work mechanically. I mean, yeah, with the exception of those gnome wizards. <laughs> uh, and maybe Aarakocra monks. I don't know why that is like such a thing, but... According to this data, it's totally a thing. It's like the third greenest box for the monk is Aarakocra. Yeah, and the most popular thing for Aarakocra. Right. <laughs> um, so there's a link in the show notes. You can take a look at it. Uh, I think the main takeaway for me is not to read too much into it because none of this suggests that these are actually the classes being played because the subclasses are limited. And also, like nothing in this data tells you that these are actually being played and aren't just being created. Right. It's also a very limited data set. There's just a whole lot of options that aren't even available. So I would love to see more of this once um, much more of the, even just the PHB data is available. And especially I'd like to see a breakdown by subrace and subclass because for all we know, every single one of these elves is a drow or actually wait, are the elf drow even available on yeah, the free content? Yeah, they are. Okay, oh, so, no, no, not, not in free content. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. I guess all, these are all wood elves? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Maybe high elf. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who bothers to look at OGL? <laughs> all right. So, it's cute and fun, but not scientific. Speaking of completely unscientific, eschewing science altogether, Shane... Where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And the intrepid crew of the His Enduring Light have been unwilling agents of the Inquisition, prisoners of the Dark Eldar, heroes of the land war against orcs. They've also survived the mysterious death of their captain and propped up a false heir to his warrant of trade. And now, eight years later... They've come across an Imperial Chartist vessel stranded upon a warp reef. You say eight years. In real life, it was like six months, right? Because we alternate campaigns. Yeah, yeah. We took a break <laughs> in the campaign. And rather than jump immediately back into it, we sort of took an interstitial period to kind of say, hey, we've taken a while from our characters. What have our characters been up to in Rogue Trader? And also, you know, like kind of build some rep and build the world a little bit and give me some plot hooks with which to plot our next campaign. Yeah, we did, a, we did a session 21.5. Exactly. 
So I like the way that you do these flashbacks because you don't come up with it on your own. We have a set of possible options that we could have pursued over the course of the eight years. We go around the table, people either roll randomly or pick something that sounds cool, and then we figure out what we ended up doing and that causes consequences that then rolls over into whatever the next event the next person picks is. Right. So what actually happened? The first thing you did, uh, if you recall, you were last seen at the fortress asteroid of Port Aquila uh, on the very edge of Imperial space. Uh, you set out into the void beyond and discovered Nephium mines on a planet you dubbed Dahlia. And then you created the market for a narcotic that you called Sniff. Did we create that narcotic from scratch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you discovered a narcotic use for <laughs> for Nephium. Um, yeah, you sniff it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it smells great. <laughs> then what happened? Months later, we discovered the elephantine Cthuloid-ish horror the Severin Slayer on Krathus III. How did the world of Krathus III get its name? Uh, Krathus was a hodor for the phrase, crap, this isn't what we thought it was. <laughs> we got a lead on a planet that sounded awesome. We showed up and it was awful. Uh, it was populated by an apex predator, as you mentioned, the Severin Slayer. Why was it called the Severin Slayer? Well, you finally captured one, and uh, I believe Doc performed some unregulated testing on it with Dark Eldar combat drugs and it ended up going berserk and murdering Sergeant Severin. Captain Severin? It was Captain Severin. He was he was the leader of a company. Yeah, so it murdered Captain Severin uh, while it went berserk and broke free of its chains. Yeah, so thanks to Jim for naming every single one of the captains of all of our companies of armsmen. <laughs> right, yeah, we got to roll randomly to find out who was closest. <laughs> it was Severin. Uh, it's got a name. He's immortalized forever now. Right. <laughs> but uh, ever the rogue traders, you thought, hey, this is incredibly dangerous and a terrible sight to behold. And lucrative. There must be a market for it as a gladiatorial opponent. So you monopolized the beast trade in the Severin Slayer, which you then sold to various fighting pits throughout the Imperium. Uh, so drugs and the, the beast trade. We are not good people. No, not at all. <laughs> Turns out we left your own random devices. <laughs> well, we did win an honor duel using a Severin Slayer in the fighting pits of Adaroth, if you recall. Um, I do recall. It got loose and wrecked havoc across the, the capital city of Adaroth. Yeah. However, <laughs> ever the entrepreneurs... We did recruit many of the survivors to join the crew. <laughs> uh, next, if you recall, way back from Doc's backstory, is that he was on a research station as a tech priest, and he left under mysterious circumstances. He doesn't talk about what they were researching or what happened, but he showed up. And you guys kind of stopped asking questions. Yeah, I have to admit that I don't... Uh, appreciate you as the GM bringing in parts of other people's backstories because that causes problems for me. Doc is dangerous and I don't want to know any more about him than I already know. I don't think I brought it in. I think he chose it. Damn it. Oh, why did he even get a choice? Um, but when you went to visit his old research station, what did you find? Well, my character Trank 
head of security, and our astropath Flair did our damnedest to make sure that we didn't actually make it there and that Doc didn't actually get back on that research, Jason, because, man, we do not trust him. Um, it didn't work, though. Yeah. So he did get on the research station. And and then what? Uh, our Seneschal Trix found an encrypted data slate that he's pretty sure belonged to Doc. Um, we haven't managed to crack it yet, though. But I bet when we do, there will be very bad things. Ishan, what was the condition of the research station when you got there? Oh, everyone was dead and there was blood everywhere. Well, very old dried blood. Except? Except nothing, because there wasn't anything there. No one survived. Except that off-screen, Echo found, what, a tiny psyker child? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then she hid him amongst your orcs so as to hide his psychic imprint. Well, that's probably not going to come back to bite us in the ass at all, ever. No, I can't imagine why having a hold full of orcs and one psyker child could ever be bad. <laughs> well, that's fine, because we quickly then moved on to discovering the pirate cache of Xenos weaponry. Um... So above the table, we all know that it's Necron, right? Because it shoots green beams of, of energy. And it's kind of like a carbon fibery, y like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know it's Necron, but the characters don't know it's Necron. Yeah. In the canon of our Rogue Trader game, you guys have no idea what Necron are. Uh, no, but we definitely know pirate weapons when we see them. Exactly. All right. There is a skull, and obviously a skull is a sign of pirates, so this must be pirate xenos weaponry and i love it i love that i can shoot crazy green beams with it so i'm gonna keep this forever not only that but if you recall you left a calling card for the hostile negotiator uh which is of course the name of your gun cutter uh you know just in case whoever left the weapons wants to you know barter for more right yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> hey if you want these back call me or like if you want a job Call me. But either way. Or if you have more. You got Moxie, kid. <laughs> Call me. So, uh, armed to the teeth, we decided to get even more risky and, well, we did a bit of gambling. <laughs> yes. And with whom did you gamble such a valuable stash of weaponry? Oh, just Lord Captain Duhon Roth, who's, you know, really no big deal in the sector. Oh, he's only like the head of the second or maybe third largest rogue trader dynasty in the sector yeah but we're like the 11th largest so like we're basically on his level well you're like the 11th in the line of the, of the first largest <laughs> which is almost worse really um yeah we gambled uh, we lost it happens yeah so true to our word as always we delivered our pirate cache of weapons to his warehouse and then weirdly very weirdly um a rift to the warp opened up in that warehouse and everything was lost. Uh-huh. And where was this this warehouse? It was on the fortified asteroid of Port Aquila. You mean the last imperial bastion of Port Aquila? <laughs> you mean the location of the Port Aquila massacre? <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, there was a warp incursion. Uh, maybe, maybe due to our Xenos tech. I don't, probably not. Probably not. At any rate, uh, Roth hates you. Yeah, but uh, that's fair, because he seems a reasonable man. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you did eventually settle the debt, though it took you a couple of years to finally uh, even up the score. And it cost you a little bit, too, didn't it? It did. I mean, in the immediate aftermath of the Port Aquila massacre, the black ships showed up because they were wondering, what is this warpy bullshit going on? Mm-hmm. 
and they discovered, much to no one's surprise, that Turvy the Twin is a psyker. A secret psyker. To no one's surprise, but the GM. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you give away narrative control. Right. (laughs) Uh, Also, turns out, I'm not sure that Turvy actually was a psyker mm-hmm. it's that lem caused the problems uh-huh. echo didn't tell anybody right and we ended up thinking it was turvy correct she's the only one who knows it was actually lem exactly yeah and reminder turvy that's the twin brother of the false heir that you've propped oh, up topsy yeah who has, is currently our rogue trader. who is your rogue trader uh-huh. silva lionheart uh-huh. a fraud yeah brilliant great mm-hmm. i'm sure she'll love that well, that's why we didn't tell her. <laughs> well, in truth, she's not going to have a whole lot of time to reprimand you because, as you mentioned, the black ship showed up and with them, the Inquisition. That's cool. That's cool. We work for the Inquisition. Everyone's on good terms, right? Right? Uh, you didn't exactly leave on good terms. Um, the last Inquisitor you worked for sent you to a Dark Eldar honeypot. Uh, that wasn't intentional. I'm uh, sure. was it? <laughs> You have spent the entire your entire career doubting everyone in the Imperium, but that one Inquisitor, huh? Yeah, that Inquisitor Bones. He sucks. His brother, though. His brother's pretty cool. So Agmar strips the his enduring light down to the studs looking for heresy. Okay, which is complicated for us because we have a lot of heresy on board. Yeah, we have a heretic on board uh, who likes to conduct crazy experiments uh, in the Medicaid. Your bosun is a dark Eldar. Yeah. And we got a bunch of orcs. And also your rogue trader is a false heir. That's fine. She's human though. And hopefully hasn't also inherited the psycho gene from her horribly corrupt brother. Right. Uh, So, you know, we do what you normally do with cargo that you don't want to get found and we jettison it. We stick the orcs out that airlock. And you put Lem in a spacesuit, I believe. Uh, Well, well, Echo did. Echo put Lem in a spacesuit, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, so you space the orcs and tell them and raunt their uh, their captain to, you know, cling to the side of the ship and avoid detection. And then once the Inquisition is done, you'll bring them back on board into their cargo hold. Yeah, that was half right. Yeah, see, they didn't quite get that memo. You leave orcs to their own devices in, in empty void space, and they land on the first substrate they can find and start wrecking things. Yeah, leading directly to the second Port Aquila Massacre. And, of course, retroactively naming the first one the first Port Aquila Massacre. <laughs> yeah, good point. At the time, it was only the Port Aquila Massacre. <laughs> this led the entire crew to being psychically screened by Inquisitor Agmar. Fortunately, none of us are crazy psychers anymore, except for the one who's actually allowed to be a crazy psyker. Right, and you managed to cause so much damage to Port Aquila in the process of that second massacre that no one could really tell who came forward because it was it was like the bank job. You caused so much damage that to claim losses on the Port Aquila massacre would incriminate everyone involved because obviously people who hang out in Port Aquila are just barely on the line of the legal side. Right. Uh, they broke my Zeno's artifact. Right, yeah. Like, who's <laughs> going to claim that they had orcs on board, right? Like, idiots. Uh, but then we got our orcs back on board. Well, right, because yeah. because lots of people have orcs on board in Port Aquila. It's just a matter of, like, I'm not going to get involved because I don't want the, the Inquisition searching my orcs. Mm-hmm. I will say I was surprised 
But I think it was because so much damage happened at Port Aquila, the Inquisition then said, well, I guess you weren't guilty. We're going to retrofit your ship and just don't tell anyone that we did all this. Yeah, I mean, you guys had to get back to a fully functioning ship. And as a GM, I like I couldn't really <laughs> look at this too hard. So it was just kind of like, okay, cool, let's move on. And now, fully outfitted, we decide, of course... We're going to get in a trade war with the uh, first most powerful rogue trading family in the sector. Yeah, like top three kind of trade off okay, on a, a yearly basis. Higher so. than Roth, lower than Roth. Depends on the year. Okay. The Serena dynasty. You may have heard of them if you, I don't know, read any books. Yeah, read a book. <laughs> yeah, like the long history of the first and second Port Aquila massacres. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's gripping. A little fuzzy at the end. Yeah, well, the thing is, it was written by a monodominant inquisitor, and really, like, it's tough to get away from the whole tone of, like, Port Aquila should have been burned to the ground in the first place because it's a den of heresy and thievery. Anyway, it's a fine book, but maybe don't read it. Yeah, it's a little heavy-handed on the, there should have been an exterminatus, I don't know what we're even doing here. Anyway, the Serena Dynasty. You pick a trade war with them over, I think, surplus from some Forge world whose name's really not important anymore. And you found out something a little bit disheartening in the process. Ooh. So our Psyker Flare has an entire retinue of helper, Psyker helpers, basically. Psychophants, if yeah. you will. <laughs> Who, you know, he's a noble, right? So he has... he has a retinue that travels with him everywhere that announces him that waits on him hand and foot when he's on the ship um turns out one of them felipe was a mole yeah he was selling information to chartist captains so sort of space truck drivers if you will backed by serena and then serena was using that information to outmaneuver you in the war but we then fed felipe false information and ended up outmaneuvering the Serenas, and I actually can't believe this. We won the trade war. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, Serena wasn't really hard up afterwards, but yeah, I mean, you guys got, a, got out we, of We were kind of hard up, but, you know, we won bragging rights. Right, right. It pretty much set you back to where you were eight years ago, by coincidence, but you did punch above your weight class, and there's a lot to be said for that when it comes to the rep department. And now... We've got to go save that Chartist vessel. Well, rescue and then charge. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. All right, so this week, we're talking about your RPG horror stories. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but we are currently drinking, which we rarely do when we record. Episode two was uh, was the last time we really needed to drink in order to record. That's true, because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, yes, we drank in the big mailbag um, anniversary episode 100, and now we are drinking because it is basically Halloween, and we noticed that B Bailey's is making a pumpkin spice-flavored version. Yeah, there's pumpkin spice Bailey's, which is a uh, horror story unto itself. Yeah, um, so on the bottle, there's a recipe for a, what, pumpkin spice old-fashioned? Pumpkin spice old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. And Now, what is in an old-fashioned? In an actual old-fashioned, yes. it's fruit, muddled sugar, bitters, and bourbon. Yeah, usually it's it's uh, orange, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a maraschino cherry, depends. Okay. Uh, what's in this old-fashioned? Pumpkin spice Baileys and bourbon of your choice. This is garbage old-fashioned. <laughs> How does it taste? Kind of like eggnog. It's actually not horrible. Like eggnog out of the out of the box. I don't know any other eggnog. 
Eggnog out of the out of the jug. I'm sorry that to grow like, up on a farm. That like plastic pimpled jug. No, in a in a in a carton. You can make actual eggnog with like actual eggs and milk. And I assume you have to be on a farm for that. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. I've never actually had it, but I've seen recipes, and I it looked like something I didn't really want to drink. Um, oh, just like this, actually, because it is uh, it is very dairyful, uh, and very sweet. Very sweet. Yes. Yeah. And there's some middling level bourbon that we poured into this because we weren't going to use you know good stuff, um, but it's still really sweet. Yeah, it's every once in a while, like it doesn't mix super well. So like, mm. every once in a while, I get a sip that's very bourbon heavy and I feel great. And then the next sip is very Bailey's heavy. Curdled a little bit. I, yeah, I don't yeah. feel so good about it. Yeah. Well, we're doing this for you, dear listener. All for you. Anyway, so that's our first horror story. Let's move on. Shane, let's start with you. Um, Give us a give us a horror story, a terrible thing, a terrifying thing, an awkward thing that happened sometime in your life when you were playing a role playing game. So this was after college when I had come back to playing role playing games. I was playing a D and D fifth edition game online uh, through Roll Twenty, but using chat only, which is a little bit different from you know talking to other people. And I think that was important for the people involved. So you you were basically on instant messenger. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was Roll20, so we had a map and stuff. Oh, I see. And it was the first session. We had gotten organized, you know, um, gotten our characters built in Roll20 and everything. And it was kind of our, like, the DM was had his map laid out, and we were kind of in our, our last encounter of the night. And uh, my character was a half-orc barbarian. There was also a half-orc ranger, so we kind of had a little bit of a friendly rivalry with sort of where our characters had taken it because, you know, we're half-orcs from different tribes and different sort of walks of life. And, and he thought that I was funny because I was unrefined, and I thought that he was weak because he had sort of adopted human ritual and whatnot. Um, and so we get into this fight, and we're kind of counting coup against our enemies, you know, sort of the Gimli and Legolas thing. But actually murdering people. Well, yeah, but actually killing yeah, okay. them. Yeah. Uh, and so we get to the last enemy remaining, and we had to, like, climb a tree to get to them. And so uh, it turned out that, like, I jumped up and grabbed a branch to shake it loose from the tree, and so it would fall and die. And in the process, because... Uh, his character was also on that branch he had to make a reflex save in order to avoid falling himself so he rolls in roll 20 and you know it's a it's a generator so it rolls a one and so it's like yo crit fail you know like everyone's like oh my god you know you killed him blah 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 blah. uh the only thing the dm said in response was lol wait did the character actually die no oh okay no the player quit before we even roll damage. Wait, what? Yeah. So, like, a fall from, like, 15 feet in the air, right? Which would, like, not kill a PC, even at level one. Like, the DM goes, lol. And the guy flips out. He's like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm not going to play with a GM who makes fun of his players. Like, it's one thing for other players to make fun of my character, but it's different for the GM, and I'm out. And so he just, like, storms off and quits. In like the last fight of the session, and we're all like left stunned, and like I'm, I'm like apologizing to the DM because I'm like I feel like I was a jerk, but then I'm like I'm going. But, but, uh, spoiler alert: you were. 
I'm like going through chat logs. And I'm like, oh, I thought we were enjoying this, you know, like because we're like we have like the out of character chat and the in character chat, and everyone's like laughing in the out of character chat, and then all of a sudden, you know, like a funny thing happens and it has no real consequence, and this dude flips out, and I'm like, I feel horrible because I feel like I've just ruined this campaign that our DM has been prepping for like a couple of weeks or whatever, and like. Anyway, it turned out to be a great campaign, and it was fine. We ended up replacing the player, but like, I, I felt bad. The DM felt bad. All the players felt super awkward, and then we ended up just laughing about it. It became kind of a running joke over the next like couple months. I'm imagining uh, I'm an old man, right? So again, instant messenger. I'm imagining that like door closing sound, that door slamming sound mm-hmm. when someone logs off. Mm-hmm. Just, well, it's roll twenty, so it's more like <laughs> slamming a tent flap. <laughs> Way less satisfying. <laughs> Just as childish. <laughs> to be clear, it's not great when someone is upset and then leaves, uh, but this seemed a bit premature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's weird is like, I was like typing, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, but he was just too wrapped up in his character, I guess. I don't know. I wrote him as a badass. Who doesn't fall in his face. Yeah, like what? He's going to like break his sunglasses falling out of that tree? I don't think so. I'm out. Done, guys. I'm taking off my Batman mask. I'm not even playing with you anymore. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to some more interesting stories from our listeners who were so kind as to send us in their stories. This first one is from Russell. Russell says, We were playing a GURPS superhero game with extremely powerful characters. Among our pseudo-Avengers super team were a gunslinging anime girl, a hacker with mysterious self-altering powers that he hadn't really used that much by this stage. The gunslinger had been hinting at having ulterior motives for a while, so the rest of us had been keeping an eye on her. In this particular session, for reasons I can't remember, we were in the Arctic at the top of a high cliff of ice. We had just defeated the bad guy, and while recovering from the battle, the hacker decided to seize the gunslinger and jump off the cliff. Due to the way he built his character, this grapple check was virtually unbeatable, and halfway to the water, he transformed his body into some incredibly dense metal. Weighed down by this human anchor in freezing cold water, the superheroic gunslinger quickly drowned with no rolls or opportunity to escape. The hacker turned into a lighter-than-air gas, rose to the top of the cliff, and warned the rest of the party if he had even a hint that any of us were going to betray him or the group, he would kill us. Uh, that was the last time I played with that player. With that GM... Uh, or GURPS. Good choices all around. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, points for creativity, though, because that that's a great way to knock somebody out. Uh, but to knock somebody out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like maybe not out of your campaign, though. Oh, my God. So I'm already sensing a theme. Um, overreaction much? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Could this have maybe also been handled by an above-the-table talk about, right. hey, is this the kind of game where we, where we betray each other? Because if it is, like, I don't, I'm not really that into it. Okay, cool. Guess what? I'm actually a super heroic gunslinger. I was just trying to add drama. <laughs> right. Or, like, you know, my <laughs> ulterior motive is I want to get paid first. You know? It's not so bad. I'm just gray. <laughs> I'm imagining order, you're playing Order of the Stick, those actual characters, and someone's like, man... Haley the rogue is always after money. I think she's going to rob us blind. I'm not going to wait 850 strips to find out that, spoiler alert, she's saving up to free her dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, man, that's a tough one because it sounds, it sounds like a really cool setup and frankly, like a really cool sequence of events. It just sucks that, like, it ends a player character and also sort of the long running dramatic irony of the game you know like that sounds like a really fun game to play in and then it just gets 
smoked by somebody who takes it too seriously. But this is totally a scenario that couldn't have happened without GM buy-in, right? Like, Russell's like, no no roles. Also, the other players, right? Like, I, I mean, these are superheroes, right? So it's pretty easy to build characters that are completely unstoppable if they're doing one particular thing. I could see them being like, I have no way to stop the person who can apparently change what their body is made out yes. of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as as a GM, you'd think you'd step in and be like, um, why are you doing that? Right, yeah. Like, here's a plus 50 to your role because, oh, it's GURP, so probably doesn't have to be that high. But like, because I don't like that. Well, it's GURP, so, you know, maybe the gunslinger has halitosis, and then you can't, you just can't get close enough. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I, man, that sucks. Uh, it it sounds like it was a cool thing that was building towards something, and it just got totally short-circuited. So, yeah, that's absolutely a horror story. And very smart for Russell to just walk away. That's exactly what I would have done. Uh I, I don't need to spend a bunch of time invested in a character only to have them summarily executed right. because someone failed an insight check. Yeah, I didn't want to pass the SAT <laughs> Math 2 exam just to have my character canceled out by the hacker. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next horror story. This one comes from Travis. I will tell you the tale of the worst game of D&D I have ever played. For weeks, this group came together in an online forum deciding time and date for gaming, roles, etc. We finally started playing and introduced each other's characters. The DM has nothing prepared and decides to take the Pirates of the Caribbean story wholesale. We are given a task to track down a guy. We clumsily ask around as the DM chews on his fingernails. Long story short, we find one of Captain Barbosa's crew in a whorehouse. Ugh. Our level one asses try to apprehend him, and the DM says, I don't believe in combat rules. It turns into a shit show. One of us gets a lucky crit, and the DM says he beheads the crewman, even though we were supposed to take him alive. Before we know it, the DM shouts, time stop, as we are all frozen in place, and a friggin' wizard arrests us all and throws us in a magical dungeon. End of game. See you next week, says the DM, as he leaves three hours early. We gave him one more week. Then the players voted him out. After that, one player became the DM and started the best campaign I've played in to date, Curse of Strahd with some homebrew tweaks. The story of Monzig, the Cobalt Bard, continues. See, Travis's mistake here was that he played a game run by an 11-year-old. <laughs> no offense to you 11-year-olds, who I'm sure are very mature and probably a better GM than I am. So Pirates of the Caribbean is a fine story to rip off. And, like, you can change the trappings of it, and it doesn't feel like Pirates of the Caribbean. In fact, like, I have tried to run a Pirates game for years just to capture the f- swagger of Pirates. Multiple so, times. Yes, yeah. yeah. I finally got to Rug Trader. <laughs> Look what happens. <laughs> but I don't remember there being a time stop in Pirates of the Caribbean. Or, like, really any police at all. Or any any time spent in jail that wasn't immediately negated by breaking out dramatically. Or a cliffhanger after one scene. Right. (laughs) Um, I also, like, I totally sympathize with combat rules being used against you. You know, because it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, all right, well, like, I don't have a way to deal with this situation other than the combat rules you put me in. So then to punish me for a crit is, like, all right, well, I would have done anything else, but you wouldn't let me. Yeah, this totally seems like the opposite of Russell's story. Russell's story seemed like 
the player was playing according to the rules and the GM was going, I guess, according to the rules, uh, there wasn't really a way for the gunslinger to get out of it. But this is just, uh, yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you, get bent. <laughs> I do really like, though, that the players banded together and were like, um, that's not the game we want to play and you suck. Right. So, but... Let's give him one more shot. Oh, no, you definitely suck. Get out of here. Yeah. And also, like, I can do this better than you. So, bye-bye. And I got to say, look, if you did a good job with Curse of Strahd, Curse of Strahd is pretty awesome. uh, But there's a a lot that can go wrong there with someone who doesn't really know what they're doing. So, like, if this was, like, one of your earliest campaigns that this person was running absolute props yeah no that's that's great and i'm happy this horror story has a happy ending but like not like not like that it's inappropriate this is a family Hang podcast on. they went to a whorehouse okay it wasn't oh, me can we talk about that though can we can we talk about yeah, how, like like what other place would a pirate be in i don't know the f-ing bank you know like does it have to be a whorehouse apparently so and oh wenching we'll go wenching yeah uh, yeah can we drop this trope yeah like you meet in a tavern a tavern. A tavern. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty ingrained in in RPG culture in general. Like, if you listen to System Mastery, they review a bunch of old RPGs. And, man, they were a lot of, like, prostitute classes and prostitute gods. And mm-hmm. what can you play? Well, you could be a knight or a prostitute. Yeah, it's wishful fulfillment. Back for in over- the 80s and 90s. Yeah, for overgrown man children. That's yeah. fine. Like, whatever. But, you know, uh, maybe not the place you want to start out when you subject strangers to your game, especially if you're going to get kicked out of it the session following. So speaking of places that are slightly better than whorehouses, you have a horror story, don't you? I do. I have two quick ones, both of which took place in the basement of a comic book shop. Mm-hmm. A, a, true sc- a true hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> This first one was in Boston. The shop shall remain nameless, but you probably know which one it is. Uh, there's a basement. I will say this is the type of place where um, they had Magic the Gathering night once a week. Uh, and if you were a woman who deigned to go to Magic the Gathering night, it was very difficult to ignore the stares of the heavy-breathed sweaty men who froze up anywhere near you. It was really embarrassing we had like a, a an alcove like literally an alcove where we played D and the rest of the the place was was magic the gathering who do you think they were more embarrassed by the women in the shop or you right <laughs> oh my god those tabletop nerds they're making us look like dorks <laughs> i i hope so i ran some games there where um that was where i discovered that a champ a bottle of champagne fits very neatly into an algae bottle Oh, so you you discovered math, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I discovered that if you're nervous about GMing, you can just drink. (laughs) All right, on with this. Okay, all right. Get to the horror part of the story, because so far it sounds like a party. It was the first game I'd played at this comic book shop with this group. So I had only met these people maybe once before. So this is like session number two. Um, I'm playing a ranger. We're playing in, you know, a typical fantasy setting. And there's another ranger in the party who is oddly competitive with me. And we are exploring some underground caverns. And, you know, we, we focus fire, as you do. And we're attacking a skeleton. Uh, one guy hits it. 
then the other ranger hits it and then I hit it and it dies. That's great, right? You know, we're a team. Hey, we're, team wins, yeah. All right, yeah, we, we defeated the monster. And the other ranger looks at me and, and points at me and starts yelling about how I stole his kill. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, okay. I mean, he's really into character. That's cool. Like, he's a ranger, you know? Uh-huh. It wasn't one of his favorite enemies, but whatever. Right. Uh, and he's really into it, but he doesn't stop. He keeps going, and he's like, I can't believe you did this. You know, Next time, I'm going to kill you. And I was just like, okay, wait, hold on. I don't know if he's talking about my character anymore or me and the last thing i want to have happen is to die in the basement of a comic book shop (laughs) right at least let me die in the street like a normal bostonian that's right i would like that to be my obit right (laughs) gunned down in the street on his way to a soup kitchen (laughs) not (laughs) hanging with sweaty nerds who looked down on him also crushed in a mob celebrating (laughs) red sox win at fenway i'll take it sure i'll take it so I wasn't the only one who felt that way. Uh, the rest of us communicated by email afterward, and we're like, that seemed a little inappropriate, and we're all a little bit worried. Uh, maybe we shouldn't invite that guy back anymore. Okay, but did you actually not invite him back, or did you take the crappy passive-aggressive way and just change your game night? I did that a different time. <laughs> <laughs> we We had the GM. We were like, hey, dude, you put this group together, and we just met. So uh, you're going to need to tell this guy not to come. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to do that via email as well. Right. Because um, I don't want to get shot either. And <laughs> right. we were like, yeah, that's fine. Don't do anything in person. Totally cool. And the next time we were all just a little skittish. We we're like, is he going to show? Is he going to show? Is he yeah. going to show? And he didn't. So it was all right. It was all right. We all lived. All right. Well, we're all thankful for that. So let's see if Michael lived through his horror story. I mean, he does say this story isn't even that bad. So he says, we were playing retired adventurers, going to the funeral of a former party member. Which is an awesome idea for an adventure. Like, I love this idea of, like, one of us died, we're all going to, like, meet back and see what happens. Yeah, Michael, this is an awesome story. I don't know what you're complaining about. Okay, then let's go. Let's you know, get worse. Let's there, get way worse. There are some children in the world who don't get any role-playing games, okay? <laughs> so you take your role-playing games and you enjoy it. You enjoy every bit of it. In the first scene... <laughs> Arriving at the funeral, we were having a field day, teasing each other's characters. The ranger now had poor vision, the wizard had developed amnesia, the rogue had arthritis, and the DM stops us. The DM, who we didn't know and who did not write the adventure, hands one of us a piece of paper, telling him to read it out loud, as he does not care to do it. My friend starts reading, quote, The heroes arrive to the funeral of their old friend. He is not actually dead, but has hidden from... He then blurts out, wait, are we supposed to know this? I think this is your synopsis of the scenario. We all agree, but the DM insists that he should read it aloud to us. It is important information that the party should have. We go back and forth a bit, but he so vehemently insists that my buddy continues reading the scenario synopsis out loud to us, detailing the plot and who did it and all the relevant details. One of my friends is done at this point, excuses himself, and does not come back. The rest of us figure we can still have some fun with this game. We had really been looking forward to playing old, no longer competent adventurers. We keep up role-playing and try to nudge each other into situations which our characters would fail because they're not as young as they used to be. Each time, the DM cuts us off, dictating that now we are on to the next scene, describing it shortly and practically telling us what our characters are doing. The game slowly came to a halt, with players either excusing themselves or politely telling the DM why they didn't want to play anymore. 
Strangely, he didn't even seem to mind or really understand that he had any share in us quitting the game. I guess it can be tough to DM for a bunch of friends you don't know, but we'd barely gotten started and all of our shenanigans were directed at each other, not the plot or the NPCs. But then maybe that's what he disliked. Wow. Rage quitting seems to be the name of the game. Yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, my horror story was rage quitting in a ridiculous way. This feels like rage quitting in a very unconstructive way. (laughs) The game falls apart with a whimper, not a bang. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, I like the guy who's like, cool, so you just read me the whole adventure. Uh, Bye. (laughs) Like, that's a bold move. Do you think this was uh, performance art, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) let's see how long they'll stick with this right (laughs) they paid four dollars for this damn it (laughs) they're just gonna suffer through it no matter how bad it is i i mean it sucks because it sounds like that would be an interesting concept for oh i love it i love it and yet like and and you literally just wore the players down to the point where they're just quitting in the middle of a session like that's that's awful yeah it's like some rpgs i know like some game systems. Yeah. Just, I tried so hard. It was such an awesome premise, but man, it just wore me down I'm, and I'd left. I'm looking at you, Savage Worlds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I totally understand what Michael's talking about, right? Is like, as as a DM for strangers, and, and I've stepped into a table um, at, at a catacomb last year. I, I stepped in for Adventures League at a table that had been playing together the entire con. And so they all knew each other and they like knew their characters and, and each other's characters and like had their own in jokes and those types of things. And like, it's a little intimidating at first. Like I get that, but that's not the way you handle that situation. As no, you didn't. You didn't just tear out the page of the, like the sidebar with the GM's notes and hand it to them and have them read it aloud. Yeah, like, Here, you do my job. <laughs> like, and I was at a table where, uh, one of the players had actually run the adventure before, so he knew the adventure. And I'm like, "All right, fine. Like, we're gonna do it. Like, you know, it's 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 intimidating, but it's easy to overcome. And like, as a GM, you feel so much like when players interact with each other, you're winning. Like, I just can't imagine that being a problem for a DM. So, like, I feel like the players did this and made it great, and uh, and the GM just dropped the ball." Props to them for sticking out as long as they did, because I think I probably would have left pretty early, too. Yeah, I know. That would have been like a tap on the shoulder. It was like, oh, I think I'm going to go to the loo. Yeah. We're all going to go to the bathroom (laughs) at this table right over here without you. Hey, there's a screening of Blade Runner in about 30 minutes. You want to go to that instead? (laughs) There's a screening of Mother, because I want another scenario where people just tell me what I should be thinking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Michael. So a friend of the show, Matt Perotti, also wrote in with a horror story, but he cheated. He sent a video from the D&D stream of Annihilation of a conflict between one of the players and the DM in which she was taking them off the rails of the published adventure that they were demoing for the stream. And then he ended up just spawning a bunch of enemies in the direction that she wanted to go. So she had to run backwards, but he had already told her that she was screwing it up. So it was a very awkward moment. Wait, so wasn't the point of the stream to show people the adventure so that maybe they want to go pick it up themselves? Yep. It seems like as bad of a gaming screw up as it does a marketing screw up, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but at one point the DM is like, I guess we'll just have to pull all those books off the shelves now. <laughs> like, 
oh, okay. See, my favorite part about this is that uh, not only did it, not only were the players in the game upset, but uh, PR people were also upset. Right. Yeah. <laughs> people who were like, oh, I'm actually getting paid for this. To be honest, anytime you cause a PR person stress, it's not a horror story. <laughs> it's what they signed up for. PR people have no souls. I'm just kidding. You're all fine. But no, seriously. We should get a PR person. You were in PR, weren't you? I was. So it was, yeah. so it was my, my sister and my best friend. I don't like either of You're them. You're all soulless people. Yeah, fair. Well, I didn't stay there because, well, it's awful. Because PR is a miserable competitive industry. It's true. We should get one. A PR? A PR person. Uh, and, well, they wouldn't last long, would they? They would probably quit. They would rage quit. Oh, that would be amazing. We literally could not underpay them. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, On-stream gaffes being the worst. Uh, let's move on to our final horror story as we are, as always, running long on time. This one comes from Len. We were playing Princes of the Apocalypse, and my party TPK'd itself in the previous session. The players agreed it was their own faults, and were still interested to continue the game. We started fresh with a few of the old characters being resurrected by friendly factions, and other players rolling new characters, which I will say is a great way to recover from a TPK. I love that. Lennon continues. I had a week to prepare, which I spent figuring out how to fit the new characters into the game. Unfortunately, I spent too much time coming up with story tie-ins and didn't plan anything for the characters to do. I realized this 30 minutes into the session as I just started to roleplay one NPC talking to another NPCs. My players were watching me talk to myself, and they were rightfully bored. It mattered so much to me that the story between the new party and the old aligned and connected perfectly, but nobody else cared that much. Anyway, I tried to speed up the exposition while thinking of some activity to do. I frantically flipped through the campaign book to sell them on a simple quest to deliver blah 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 to a dwarven temple of a fertility goddess. I decide I'm going to salvage the session with an exciting combat, which, you know, that works, as an aside. Yeah, no, good plan. And the players eventually end up fighting a ton of specters, ugh of the temple's monks. As I hastily sketch the battle map on the grid, the players start guffawing. <laughs> I look at my drawing and realize my temple looks a lot like the complete inner workings of the female reproductive system. To be fair, that just is a buffalo skull. Right. <laughs> so did George O'Keefe. <laughs> and of course, I didn't balance the combat right, so I TPK'd them in the second session in a row. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right there in the fallopian tubes of a dwarven fertility temple. <laughs> Fortunately, the very next day, TPT released episode number 15, Recovering from a Bad Session. I cannot imagine what we said in episode 15. That could have possibly helped you, Len, but I'm so happy we tried. Maybe it was part four, Just Start Over. Right. <laughs> oh, man, that is... Um... That's a oh, that sucks. Like uh, I hate when you try so hard to make everything perfect and you overlook some glaring detail that suddenly becomes apparent like ten minutes into things. It's like, what if they shot you in the head? <laughs> Wait a minute, what if they shot me in the head? <laughs> Have you seen that John Oliver sketch where it's just like weathermen and like other people drawing things on live TV and then realizing they've they've drawn a dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, hold on. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait. 
that's not the Stormfront. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I hope that campaign turned out all right, because it sounds like you had a really good group to, you know, be willing to pick it up from a TPK and kind of rebuild their story so it made sense. And, and I know you put in the work to to make that flow and kind of pick it back up, and then it, it sucks that you just counted wrong. <laughs> and this is why it can be helpful to be drinking an algae full of champagne while you're running a game, because later you can always point at that and say, that's why it was a bad session. Because later you can always point at that and share. <laughs> <laughs> I far prefer horror stories where later everyone can laugh at it as opposed to the horror stories that are far too common where it's like, oh, I was sexually harassed at a table by an awful person. Yeah, that's the horror story that I really didn't want to have to talk about. But unfortunately, it's all too common. Well, I'm sure we're going to do an entire episode on it at some point. So, yay. Yeah. Uh if that's happening to you, uh, please share that experience if you're comfortable doing that because people need to be aware of that. Um, it's it's not your responsibility to do that. But, um, you know, if that's something you can talk about, please do. And, and please don't silence the voices that have experienced that negative behavior. It is like 50% of the complaints on like D&D subreddits. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and we did an episode about social contract if you're um, wondering about more constructive ways to to set up your table and and help reduce that behavior but at the end of the day protect yourself um and get out of bad situations don't get shot in the basement of a comic book store or sexually harassed in the basement of a comic book that store. also that is not worth it or playing magic the gathering don't play magic the gathering yeah that that's true that is crack it is card crack get out get out all right do you hear that Ethan? oh that's just the cat in the basement of course, that must be what it is. I'll just I'll just go look, okay? Um, uh, that's, that's weird. The light switch isn't working. It, it's fine. It's fine. I'll be right back. It's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge and roll up a new co-host. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan, at Evil Sends Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show, at TPTCast. You can also email us if you can fit into 140 characters at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrillCast.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building that character, that classic character from horror literature, the one you grew up fearing, the Headless Horseman. It's pretty terrifying. Also, I did not know, uh, but it's a classic character in mythology. The guy who rides a horse and doesn't have a head. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, like CW mythology? Like like Gaelic. It's pretty heavily Gaelic. Like Johnny Depp mythology? Sure. Okay. I yeah no, I don't think Johnny Depp would ever do that because the Headless Horseman doesn't wear eyeliner. Yeah, but Ichabod Crane does. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> hey, that was an okay movie. It was fine. <laughs> so what's the what's the Gaelic origin though? Uh the death coach, it's like a carriage, right? Pulled by two horses. Uh, that comes to collect people who are who are dying. Oh, okay. And the coachman is a man with no head. That makes sense. Which actually shows up in the classic film, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, starring Sean Connery. I don't know if you know that. I don't. <laughs> Everyone, go out and watch it immediately. 
It's amazing. It's very good. It's not that good, but it, it it's nostalgic for old men like me. On to the build. All right. It is Undying Pact of the Blade Warlock 11, Vengeance Paladin 6, Champion Fighter 3. So from Fighter, you get the obvious things. Uh, obviously, we're, we're only going to 3, so we're shooting for the improved crit range. Yeah, so that will be accompanied by Action Surge, which is great. It gives you the ability to take another action in your round. And then also a fighting style and second win to give you a little bit more sustainability. Yeah, I also love that Action action Surge lets you pop out that third fifth level smite all in the same round yeah which of course you are getting from six levels of paladin you know why this is in here right it's for extra attack and and smites and smites (laughs) and that sweet sweet aura because obviously you're going to be high charisma right and the headless horseman is just hard to take down with stuff he doesn't i don't know does he have a brain that you can charm it doesn't seem like you can reason with him Mm mm-hmm and then I don't know that we've used a lot of Undying Warlock. What do we get for that? We haven't because, to be perfectly honest, it's not that great. But man, is it flavorful. Undying Warlock is going to get us some cool spells that are, are pretty thematic. False Life, Ray of Sickness. But at first level, you're going to have a, basically a sanctuary effect where undead have trouble attacking you. And uh, you know what? I think uh, on All Hallows' Eve... Probably other ghosts and ghoulies don't mess with the Headless Horseman. I think they tend to avoid him. Yeah, that makes sense. At level 6, you get Defy Death, which lets you gain a few hit points when you succeed in a death saving throw. And at level 10, and at level 10, you don't need to breathe. You don't need food, water, or sleep. Um, Also, you age much slower. For every 10 years that pass, your body ages one year, which to me sounds... uh, little bit like uh, a malevolent entity that stalks upstate New York for, you know, two or three hundred years at a time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And of course, you're going to get all the other warlock goodies. Like we said, you're going to get fifth level spells. You'll be able to cast those three times per short rest. And of course, you're going to know a bunch of different invocations, five of them to be exact. And there are a couple of different things that you can do here depending on how headlessy you want to go and, and how like mechanical you want that expression to be. Now, I personally think it's easier just to reflavor not having a head. Because if you think about it, <laughs> there isn't really anything according to the rules that lets you not have a head and still be alive. Yeah. <laughs> so just like say you don't have a head. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff out there that is like, oh, if you're a blind character or you can't see or speak, this will let you see or speak. Right. There's also ways to regrow limbs mm-hmm. and various body parts, but nothing to regrow a head. Yeah. Well, yeah. Usually it's like it just makes you a new body because, right. you know, you died. <laughs> if you really wanted, you could do Pact of the Chain, take voice of the Chain Master, and you can then see and speak out of your familiar I guess. Your familiar would be a pumpkin, right? Like a jack-o'-lantern? I would make it an imp that then shape changes into a pumpkin. Of course, yes. (laughs) But I prefer Pact of the Blade because you're going to get those two attacks anyway without having to take the invocation from Paladin. And then you can take Life Drinker, which adds your Charisma modifier in necrotic damage Mm -hmm. to your attack. Plus, you're going to be able to drop those massive smites on it. Yep. 
The other invocation that I really like is Whispers of the Grave. That's at ninth level you can pick up Speak with Dead at Will, which lets you actually do something with all of those heads that you're collecting. Mm-hmm. Because what is the legend? The Headless Horseman is looking for his own head, right? So right. he goes off and cuts other people's heads. He takes mm-hmm. him back to his, I don't know, lair? Uh, something. He, I don't know, looks at it. Uh, probably. And is like, oh, I guess he puts it on his own head and is like, well, that's nope, not it. doesn't fit. Right. And, mm, nope, not my head. A little too tanned for me. So what do you think he does with the head? I mean, I think he keeps it on the wall, right? And then if he has speak with that at will. He talks to it. It's like a library. It's like an echo chamber. <laughs> oh, oh, that is so slimming. That looks great on you, good sir. <laughs> black on black again. <laughs> what is this? 2019? <laughs> I don't know. You never let us out of this lair. <laughs> hey, 1820 called. They want their black on black on black back. <laughs> Are those buttons? <laughs> so fashion forward. Have you heard of zippers? <laughs> Good sir, I'm just a farrier, a poor farrier. Apparently Sleepy Hollow is full of fashion designers, and they're quite catty when they're headless. It's, up, it's upstate New York. Right. <laughs> Not good fashion designers. <laughs> they all retired there from the West Village. Good point. That's, that's, like, that's like upstate Westchester. Do you have any idea how many like fancy cheese shops there are in upstate New York? And in, it's always, oh yeah, we, we used to live in Park Slope. In Westchester. You keep saying upstate New York, you mean <laughs> northern Westchester. <laughs> Look, do you own a map? Anything north of Central Park is upstate. Right. <laughs> All right, we'll stop sawing over New York geography, I guess. And read some reviews. So this is Enjoyable and Flavorful Fun. Five stars by Village Reaver. Ishan and Shane's nascent bromance of a podcast is an enjoyable listen to this grognard. Their Morning Glory campaign recap has been fun so far. I'm only through episode 20, though. Yeah, it could get worse. Yeah, no, it definitely does. The advice and tips and tricks really, really inspire me to start playing D&D again. The table, social contract, DM, and player improv, and character goals have shown me how I can up my future game. The Creation Forge builds are interesting and, sadly, far too skill and expertise-centric. They could just describe the 10 to 14 levels that aren't rogue and or bard, and I would just infer those 6 to 10 levels as skill monkeys fly out of my butt. There are many superlatives that I'd use to describe the podcast, and the foremost is inspiring. Look, good sir, I was about to put two levels of rogue in Headless Horseman, and I declined. <laughs> right. <laughs> you picked a hell of a day to be read on this podcast, <laughs> my good sir. Uh, that is fair. We we run very skill-centric campaigns because we get tired of building combats, so uh, naturally I think our character creation forge builds do bias quite a bit towards skills i mean i think it's somewhere around episode 70 something where we're like we have an inherent skill bias right just so you know yeah because we like to be able to do things in other pillars yeah village reaver got there before we did yeah but we get there eventually yeah you know it's good to know yourself and it's good to be known by others and now really this is just the perfect marriage this review i am like very nearly done with my pumpkin spice that's good old fashioned we are very nearly done with this podcast <laughs> uh before we wrap up we should take a moment to thank our patreon sponsors who 
provided our liquor for the day our pumpkin spice horror story itself this is your fault (laughs) you're welcome but remember you are the ones who make it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week and if you'd like to learn more you can check out patreon.com slash total party thrill to learn how you can get involved and maybe suggest a few different rewards so what do we have planned for next week's episode we're talking about changing the world and in the character creation forge we're building the stone shaper well that's it for episode 117 of total party thrill i hope we lived up to our name but either way i'm shane and i'm ishan thanks for listening um speaking of the headless f-ing horseman i feel like we're wasting four levels of warlock I thought on the train. I don't know what uh what headless horseman does. So, um, he's the headless horseman. So you can flavor not having a head, or um, you can use your familiar's eyes. Although that requires a bit of DM fiat. But basically, paladin, blade pack warlock uses fine steed. Wait, what level? And mounted combatant. Uh, no. I guess maybe he should. Though he does kind of like crit people a lot, right? He does. Champion fighter, maybe. Yeah. So drop four levels of warlock for fighter. Yeah, I like that.